Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Engaging the Phenomenon. And today we have two special guests who have been doing incredible work, and that is Rob Freeman and Mark McNabb. So welcome, guys. Thanks there, James. We're happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you guys here. And, you know, uh, people will be familiar with you, Rob and, and Mark. You guys have been on the show before. Uh, you did the Making Contact series, and you've been doing incredible work as, as in regards to contact and actually going out in the field uh, to different locations and, you know, not only recording the phenomena that's encountered during, um, you know, contact work uh, and what some people may be familiar with as CE5 or human-initiated contact events, heists, um, or contact modalities, but, you know, you guys have really done a wonderful job in the the human component and, and how, uh, you know, this is also part of the human experience, the contact. So, you know, thank you guys so much for doing that work. And I understand that you guys have some, some new projects on, that you guys have been participating in. So can you tell us a little bit? Yeah. Now, uh, my screen is frozen. Can you hear me okay? I can hear and see you. Oh, fine. okay. Okay. I'm on a, I'm actually using Starlink here in Canada, but uh, I'm waiting for them to put my dish on top of the roof. <laughs> right now it's on the front yeah. lawn and there's been a couple of issues. So, uh, yeah, we've been, you know, despite the pandemic, we've been able to get out and do some expeditions. We've been in, uh, over the last year, we were in Ecuador for a couple of weeks. We were in, um, uh, we're at the Marysburg Vortex, and that's the eastern end of Lake Ontario. We're on the Canadian side of Prince Edward County, overlooking to the eastern side, you know, across the United States as well. And we got some interesting captures there. And and more recently, we were in Italy. And uh, we actually, you know, several of us saw a craft there. Um, there's a, um, quite a story around that as well. And James, I just lost your picture feed here. There yeah. we go. I moved one wire in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll figure. Um, so technology is great when it works, right? It is. Um, so just just so we can frame this into different um, perspectives, and and so people can be clear on on the project that you're doing and and what to expect um, coming into the public and going forward. The the there's the two different. Um, projects right so you have the making contact messages from the andes um can you tell us about that yeah i can uh, i can help with that james um so i can't remember the last time we spoke to you you know as far as our projects and where we were at but from 2020 i'm so i'm going back a couple of years almost three years 2020 and 2021 we produced material off of two expeditions two major expeditions we went out to british columbia and we spent a significant amount of time out there i think it was around 14 16 days um and this was all part of a project um, that it's it's called The Man Who Wanted to Make Contact. So it's kind of a bold title, you know, but it's also a documentary that's very Canadian-centric. You know, it's a very, it, it, it really uh, deep-dived into the history and of, of UFO sightings and extraterrestrial sightings in Canada. So we were very fortunate to not only be in British Columbia, but also in Manitoba, and which we spent significant amount of time with Grant Cameron. Mm -hmm. um, Grant is an amazing, uh, what a mind, 
you know, he, he, he deep dived into Red Charlie. We went out to Falcon Lake by horseback and talked to people out there who talked about that very prolific UFO sighting event. Um, so, and then, of course, in addition to that, we went out to British Columbia and we went through Duncan and, um, again, got into the legends that are out there. Um, it took a helicopter to Sail Mountain, which was very exciting. Did a, did So it was basically off-road, a lot of off-road, off-grid style, um, like a, an expedition that was really um you know, going going to places that no one could even imagine going and setting up the equipment and seeing what we'd see. So that was 2020, 2021. And 2019, just to step back, was um, making contact messages from the Andes. So we've got two documentaries. And messages from the Andes was our time with Ricardo Gonzalez. There were seven of us, actually. Ricardo Gonzalez, his, his lovely wife, Sol, Paula Harris, uh, Giorgio uh, Pacenza, um, William Crowley, myself, um, and Rob. So there were seven of us, and we were everywhere. <laughs> we were everywhere. We went to Huascaran. We went to um, we went to the you know to the the peak fourteen thousand, I believe, feet. Right, Rob, in yeah. altitude, you know, um, and and spent a couple of nights on at the top of Markawasi, the Stone Forest. Incredible. Um, that's a produced documentary that is out there and is, you know, hitting the, the different expos and it's starting to be watched and, and so we're in the screening stage, you know, like we're, we're looking at streaming and getting into video and getting into the streaming services, but I didn't want to miss the window to screen these films and get audience reaction because we just had a screening, I guess it would have been last weekend at Starworks USA. And um, the the uh, reaction was powerful. We're very proud of that, that people understand that, um, you know, to, to, uh, to know the truth, you have to live the truth is basically the catch line for messages from the Andes. Like you need to be a part of it. And it was very road trip style and buses that kept breaking down, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had to have these things happen that, of course, I mean, it's all part of the adventure, you know, siphoning water if, off of waterfalls to fill up radiators. I mean, we did a whole bunch of different things, taking taking donkeys and horses to the to the different parts of, 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 of where we were. So those are the two 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 major projects that we did off of those major expeditions so that was kind of the part of the whole making contact stuff um and then i'll just touch on this so we can get into the to the next stage of what we're doing um kind of just created a, a an alternate um not a complete digression but an alternate view on on what we're doing because rob and i as you know we've been doing this be our eighth year coming up into 2023 and in addition to all the you know the pursuit to make contact at our own level we're just interacting with incredible people that have had experiences like rob had his experience when he was 12 years old okay so that's uh i won't i won't i won't date you rob but we'll just say that it's a while <laughs> it's a it's a while about it's a while ago and but we're running into people like Ricardo had his experiences when he was quite young. And there are other people that we also talk to that have had their experiences when they were young or that it's a part of their family. It's part of their lineage. It's, it, it, you know, and it, 
it's amazing. You talk to the grandmothers, you know, that are in the kitchens at Markawasi who are talking about the different experiences. And it's really amazing. So, and we also felt that this would help us learn more about what creates that level of contact, you know, because that is our goal. That's been, always been our goal for eight years is how do we elevate our consciousness? How do we elevate our knowledge to get to a point um, that um, we can have more advanced contact experiences and we're kind of learning from the best. So the last couple of years, two or three years leading into encounters, which is basically like um, Robert mentioned, going to Ecuador, and being with people who are very educated and learned on consciousness, Mission Rama and different groups going into the jungle-like areas and having these experiences. And then uh, it culminated again with going to Italy into the mountains. And we'll talk to you about that because it's very exciting. As Rob mentioned, we saw I never see anything because I'm always so busy filming, but to look out a bathroom window with one of the gentlemen and have him say, do you see that? And, and over the mountain, the Piso mountain. And then earlier in the day, Rob had seen something very, very similar in the same mountainous region. I mean, this is a very secluded part of Italy, Northern Italy um, makes you realize you're definitely not alone. And that's really the catch of, of encounters. We are not alone. Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate that you guys um, are working with these different people, especially, you know, groups that are international that, you know, UFO researchers in the United States, um, especially on the larger scale, um, may not be familiar with. And to know that these incredible things are happening on a regular basis and have for decades and, and centuries on really, uh, and, and millennia, really, if you go back to, you know, you know, wonders in the sky of Jacques Vallée kind of looking over a passport to Magonia, these different kind of interactions that humans have had throughout history with non-human intelligence. And that that's kind of like right in what we're talking about. Um, no matter what framework you use and try to categorize uh, non-human intelligence as it's it's something that's part of the human experience and uh, you know again I'm, I'm really glad that you had mentioned mission rama because you know people in 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 the u.s especially are going to be familiar with ce5 and the ce5 initiative and csetti and contact work from that perspective but really you know decades before that six topaz wells in, in in lima peru and south america were, you know, setting up groups doing the same exact thing, you know, initially, you know, you know, not they, they had their own approach and practices, but they were doing program sightings or what we would call human initiated contact events and having incredible success, um, may, maybe even more success in that regard on, on a, on a basis of very close contact. And um, so I, I think that's all incredible. And I'm glad that you're, kind of working outside the box and being able to bring that to um, not only the, the United States UFO research community, but an international community that where people can, can learn that all these things have and, and are going on um, on a regular basis, pretty much. And, you know, again, as you mentioned with, with Rob, I mean, my, my contact started at a very, very young age um, in what we can call anomalous experiences so I, I do think that is also important. Um, but I, I do have a question um, 
just because I'm sure listeners will be curious about this, um, you know, doing the contact work that you guys have been doing um, with these different individuals. Have you, have you noticed different kind of um, levels of interaction in different areas or more re- remote locations? It's a great question, James. I'll jump in a little bit, Rob, and you can jump in as well. Sure. I mean, that's what was so exciting about Italy. Italy was years in the making, okay? We met a gentleman, Filippo Sarpa, who's, 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 you know, he's an academic, you know, he's, he's at the, at the high end of, of his academia. And he connected himself with, with people in Northern Italy that are very, very remote, very remote, remote areas. You know, I think it's called Sondrio, the Sondrio area. And um, just because we've only, we've never had the chance to really talk about this, but this is something for your listeners to look up too. Um, Alessandro, De Royo, I, I hope I'm pronouncing the last name correctly, but he just came out in the national news. Okay. This is very, very new. It's very fresh information. He was in the army, Rob. I believe he mm. was in the army. Yep. And um, he had a lot of contact experiences and he was discharged and taken into different criminal style case that 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 because of what he had experienced what he saw what he took pictures of what he was talking about it was only a month ago that less than a month ago we got to interview him of course it was a, a mr x style interview us around the table he didn't want to be on camera but he said we could get his audio but the whole point of this is in that region there's two gentlemen up there that you know have done a lot of work for 20 plus years they talk about a lot of different things you know about a village that you know is 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 known for having extraterrestrials live within the village and interact with the villagers this is a very real thing you know government agencies came in and tried to do different things they got very quiet you know, this is a whole thing. And of course, talking to these gentlemen from Italy, what's the information that's shared right away? If if a UFO or an extraterrestrial came into, no offense to these cities, Toronto or New York or anywhere, it would be, it'd be a circus. It would be a crazy, crazy circus. But up there, According to them, I mean, this is according to them. We didn't get the chance to see extraterrestrials. We saw we saw what we saw in the sky. But the point of it was they talked about stories from villagers that don't have any agendas. They don't want to be in the paper. They don't want to be on television. They don't want any they don't want anything. But what do they talk about? They talk about these extraterrestrials poking their heads up into the windows of their kitchen. (laughs) You know, like they're in the kitchen and they poke their heads up and they look in at them and or they come into the backyard and they're standing there and they're looking at them and they're all whether or not you believe it. It's not really a question of belief. You have to go one step further and you have to say, why tell the story? Why tell it? Why would that person, uh, you know, risk ridicule to tell a story about an extraterrestrial looking through their kitchen window? It doesn't make sense. but. The theory, and I'll end it with this, the theory is it's because it's remote. It's because it's quiet. It's because it's not busy. They're just doing this because they know they're safe. 
because there's no risk. And the guy went even one step further to talk about that they're not even interested in the humans. They're not interested. They're right. inter- they're they're interested in the geological side of our planet and different things like that. Maybe Rob, you can touch a little bit on that too. Yeah. So they're really in. Well, this particular group was more interested in the geological evolution of the Earth, and they were working side by side with humans. And these are remote villages where kind of like what goes on there stays there, and it really didn't go beyond there these are just small little villages in remote areas and as mark says it's it's not big news that gets out across the whole country or the world it's been going on for years and uh we hope to interview a fella who's mark i think he's around 90 years old now but he yes. um he worked side by side with an extraterrestrial for something like 20 years back in the 70s and he's 90 now, so he's getting up there. So we don't want to leave it too much longer. But uh, we have people who are willing to introduce us to him. Now, whether we go back to Italy and meet him face to face or do something on Skype, we really would like to talk to this fella. And do you guys know or can you describe the, the type of entity that um, these individuals interacted with? Gosh, all kinds. Like, I mean, honestly, I have so much footage now, so much material of different interviews with different people. Um, You know, they all vary, you know, like um, it's and the descriptions are kind of wide. Some of them, most of them, though, I remember the ones that I'm thinking off the top of my head, just because I'm looking through footage and and going through different things. I mean, your typical gray, you know, your typical gray, like small you know, the larger head. I mean, these are the things that are coming up in the interview spots, right? Um, but also also the other end of the spectrum, the more like the Anturel style nine foot, like Ricardo and Sixto both speak about, you know, like because, I mean, as we all know, Paul Hellyer, even in an interview we did with him, talked about 53 races that that, that they know of, 53 races of extraterrestrial Um yeah, I mean different, different, <laughs> different kinds, different in in different shapes and 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 everything. Yeah, yeah, and it was even Paul Hellyer that said that, you know, uh, ET beings that are from the Milky Way galaxy all look similar to ourselves. Right. He says we all come from the same seat, and he says you could rub shoulders with one downtown and not know the difference. Could be your, you know, first or second cousin. He said, once you get out into the other galaxies, they're different. You know, you get into these insect or reptile looking uh, beings and so on. But anything in the in the neighborhood, like the Milky Way galaxy, the beings look very similar to ourselves. We wouldn't know the difference on the street. So, you know, in these places of Italy, in Italy and so on, they've had interactions with, well, the ones that work right side by side would be ones that look just like us. But, you know, as Mark says, when we were sitting down at the table with Alejandro, he pulled out pictures and showed us. And I'm not sure if we're at liberty yet to share them, but pretty incredible stuff. Um, they've got pictures of uh, beings where you can kind of see through the shoulder, like almost as if the being is there, but it's not almost like a hologram or presenting a physical shape. but 
but the, but in one part of the being, you can see right through it to behind what's in the background. So don't know what that's all about, but we've seen some pretty incredible pictures. Um, there's a whole series of pictures where when you zoom in on the picture, like you'll see an orb, for example, and it just looks like a garden variety orb, a little light or something. It's like, yeah, no big deal. But you zoom in on it and all of a sudden there's a face that becomes clear as you zoom into it further and further and further. And it's almost like you can zoom in infinitely and it gets clearer and clearer and clearer. And he said, they've sent this away to forensic laboratories and there's no pixels in the center part. Like there's pixels in the digital image all around it, but the center part is something different. It's some kind of technology that we don't even know. It's just that, uh, you know, I had the picture on my computer and I zoomed in and it's like you can see a, a very clear face. And it's not like you got to use your imagination, like laying on the ground, looking at clouds in the sky and seeing animals and faces. It's not like that. It's like a very clear face and head with eyes and nose. And the more you zoom in, the clearer it gets. And he's got several pictures like that. They have no idea what the technology is. The lab has no idea. They just, you know, throw their arms up. There's no pixels in all of that center part. There's something else there. So that was a pretty incredible expedition in Italy. And I guess, um, you know, we'll talk about that. The one experience that I had that leads into the experience that Mark had. Um, the one last night there, we were there and, and we had... Um, one of the guys introduced us to a, a girl, a lady from the village, uh, not far away. And she came up and uh, was, you know, we were on a sky wash together. But earlier in that day in the afternoon, we were going to walk up the mountain to this other village where a lot of things happen and where there's been a lot of documented pictures have been taken, including some of those with the strange non-pixel things in the orbs. And you know, when we left the lodge, I, I looked at my phone and it only had like 20 or 30%. And I thought, should I bother to take my auxiliary battery? And I thought, oh, I got enough stuff in my pocket. I, I won't bother. 20% is good enough, right? And everybody wanted to get going. So I didn't want to go back up to the room and get more crap to have to carry. So I just left it like that. And yet I was taking pictures on the way up. And by the time we got to the top, I went to take a picture and all of a sudden I see the little wheel turning on the screen and I thought, oh, my battery's going to die. So right out loud, I said, okay, guys, you can show yourselves. And I showed my camera. I says, I can't take a picture of you anyway. My phone just went dead. And I, and I kind of laughed, you know, not expecting anything to happen. And then I turned to everybody else and I look on the side of the mountain the Piso mountain and there's a craft going right across your typical you know almost like a cigar shape but a little thing on the top going right across and I saw it and and it wasn't a plane it was moving too slow for a plane it wasn't a helicopter there was no sound and I saw it, it was very clear it was a, a grayish sort of black color and that was interesting and then I said to whoever was standing beside me, I said, and wouldn't it be funny 
if my phone, you know, it was this phone right here, if my phone came back on again when I get to the lodge and I'm just laughing, not expecting that that's going to happen. But, you know, we did some footage, we did some interviews up there and stuff. And then we finally headed back down to the lodge. It was going to be dinner time. And we get into the lodge. They've got a room right by the front door where you take all your boots off because it's open uh, grazing for all the cows. God knows what you could have in the tread of your boots. So they don't want that tracked into the rooms. Okay. So all footwear stays in this room. Right. Uh, So I, you know, it's wooden benches to sit down and, you know, I carry my phone in my back pocket and I'm used to when I sit down, especially on a, on a bench, I take the phone out of my pocket. I don't want to break the phone. Uh, I took the phone out of my pocket, James, and it was on. Yeah. My phone was on again. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. And then, so I, I, I think I told Mark about this, you know, what had happened. And I went into the dining room uh, because we're all sitting down now for dinner. And Mark, you can pick up with your experience that you had right then and there as well. Yeah, it was, it was, it was all seemed to be like a synchronicity of, mm-hmm. of experiences too. Like Robert had his, we came back getting ready for dinner. You know, I'm talking with Felice. Felice goes down to the washroom, you know, and, and which is, which has this perfect view, by the way, of the pizza. And to know the pizza, it, it's like the centerpiece of that entire Northern Italy Valley, right? Um, because it, Many, many, many sightings. I still get unbelievable pictures sent to me about every two days from Felice. <laughs> you know, he's he's always sending me something. Tell me what you think of this. We don't understand it. I have a lot to share with Rob. But Rob was away, so now he's back. So now I have 50 pictures to show him. And, but, and Mark, um, just to say, too, that washroom you're talking about is right at the end of this room exactly. where we took our boots off on the yes. main floor. Okay. Exactly, exactly. So it's 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 like he's down there and he's using the washroom and he kind of quietly asks me to come down. Because again, it's, it's, it's like what you said earlier, James, like, you know, we have a great respect for Jacques Vallée. We've interviewed him many times. We've got to spend time with him last year um, at Starworks. And he always says, it's all about the witnesses. You know, if you're by yourself, it's, 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 it's lovely. You know, it's a wonderful experience at a solo level, but if you have someone who's with you, like we were all there with Rob when he experienced it, we might not have seen that, but in the moment we knew you can tell I filmed him. You can tell he's in the moment he's talking. So you have, you have people, right? You have to have that. And Jacques always said that to us and, and we, it resonated with us that witnesses, you can, you can hear it in their voice. It's, it's all about the authenticity. And Felice said, please come down here. I want to, I want you, I want you to look and, th- and tell me what you see. And again, I looked out the window, looked up at the pizza and I saw it. It was like, again, it was like cylindrical style. You know, I don't have the eyesight that Felice has, but I saw what I saw and I knew it wasn't typical. It wasn't a plane. It wasn't a helicopter. It had a very different shape to it. And I knew what I was seeing. And it was important to Felice that I did see it. And of course, this was in conjunction with my own phone anomaly, which was the fact that we don't get Wi-Fi up there. No, no Wi-Fi at all. Nothing. 
Yeah. And it was in that same time zone, that same timeline of things happening that suddenly I got Wi-Fi signal. Suddenly I had a connection to the Internet that I'd never had, that nobody had because they don't even have. What's that called, Rob, when they don't have the not a not a router? What do they call that? Well, there was no there was no Internet there. We were in a lodge in the middle of nowhere. So there's no there was no Internet there. All there was was cell service. Mark typically keeps his cell service yes. off. OK, and he'll tether off my phone and I can get the Internet on my phone. But he showed on his phone the symbol for Wi-Fi and got um, a Web page opening. It's like, well, yeah. how is that even possible? This is kind of reminds me about Gary King, who studies crop circles. And he was studying a crop circle in the UK. And right where he was, there was no cell service. He steps into a crop circle and gets full bars of cell service and is able to make a phone call. He steps out of the crop circle. There's no service. And I just posted on my webpage today on my Facebook that, you know, the London Free Press and Sarney Observer here did a story on me from 1966 of what I saw when I was young. And somebody replied on that post and said, Rob, did you see the crop circles in our area a few years back? And she said the strange thing was there was no cell service in the crop circle. So yeah. she had the opposite. Okay. And when she stepped out, there was cell service. Now, Mark, down in that room, he was showing Wi-Fi and internet on his phone. There is no Wi-Fi. They don't even have a router in that lodge, period. Like if you click on your Wi-Fi, you won't see anything showing up. You can click yeah. your button on or off and there's just no Wi-Fi, period. So he had that. And uh, I think there were a few other anomalies we had happen, Mark, as well. You keep track of a lot of this yeah, I mean, th those are the big ones. I mean, we had different pictures that we took within the group. You know, mm -hmm. we had people get pictures that were verified as as being anomalous that, you know, we, we of course, we work with Dave Palachek from, from MUFON Canada, and he puts it through all different kinds of filters and system software, and he does all these kind of things. So we did have we had some sightings, we had some findings, you know, and um, yeah, to me, I think Rob and I both recognize it's just the tip of the iceberg. We've been invited back. I actually just got, I haven't even had the chance to tell Rob this yet. My apologies, Rob. But we did get um, a word back from Alejandro that the next time we come, he's going to take us to wherever we want to go. And he's going to be a very active participant with us on a future expedition because now the, the gloves are off for him. He can be himself you know, which is amazing and um, take us to the places where he has um, had experiences. So that's exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know people are going to be asking about this. So um, were, there, were there a lot of things you were able to document as far as, uh, you know, pictures and, and video footage of, of anomalous phenomena? Yes. Well, we, we, yeah, we, have we got we pictures. got some. Yeah, we got some. And and of course, you know, my episode with the phone, it, the phone was off. You know, yeah. so and to me, that was no coincidence. You know, it, it almost seems like this phenomenon has a sense of humor, too, because the second my phone was off and couldn't film was the second it showed up. The craft went right across the sky. But honestly, James, we kind of look at it like this. Maybe it's 20% are craft and lights in the sky. 
And the other 80% are all the crazy things of high strangeness that happen around you. Yeah. Like yeah. we could speak for hours on that. Like, you know, that duplicate check incident, the duplicate yeah. voucher incident, all these kind of things. And it's, it's all connected. And we've had where, and, and, and um, Sixto Paswells had talked about this the night before we went to Playa Yaya in south of Lima in Peru. And he says, Rob, you can have a situation where people can see you, you can't see them. It's almost like one-way reality. Uh, you can have a situation where you can see them. They can't see you. And right on the beach there at Playa Yaya, we had a police officer who we were trying to get his attention with flashing our lights, jumping up and down, yelling, uh, everything else, drive right by us within 10 feet as if we're not even there. Mark's even got it documented on film. So these are some of the cool, high strangest things you can have happen. Um, you know, Sixto Paswells has talked about bilocation, where he's been somewhere and then somebody will come up to him the next day and say, uh, it was great to see you in the street there yesterday in downtown Lima. And Sixto's like, wait a minute, I wasn't in downtown Lima yesterday and they'd be like but we had a full conversation <laughs> you know so you know there's all this stuff about alternate realities multiple realities you know the mathematics proves some of this stuff we've talked to these scientists and these professors even erling strand and the heslin project he doesn't even bat an eye when you talk to him about this stuff because he's got his own experiences around multiple realities and parallel realities and he says rob the mathematics proves it it's proven it since the 1950s but sometimes you can get lucky enough or fortunate enough to actually experience it and for whatever reason now james we've experienced this many times and and fully documented so to us that's kind of like the 80 20 rule it's like 80 percent of the things that happen it's like sometimes I don't even need to bring the equipment out. The the stuff that happens on the ground is nonstop. And um, we don't consider uh, an expedition successful unless we have a lot of this cool high strangeness. Like, you know, more than once we've had all the batteries go down on all the equipment, plus everybody's cell phones, like everything's just dead. And, you know, that's not a surprise to most of your listeners or viewers because, Anybody that's out doing CE5, I'm sure that they've had the same experiences. So, um, yeah, we love lights in the sky. We love craft, but we also like all this other cool high strangeness that happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because, um, again, you know, as, as I mentioned before, um, we started recording here. Yeah, that, you know, I really appreciate the the UFO subject and and contact and everything because it's, it's, uh, you know, the bridge between physics and metaphysics, because you have, you know, these physical objects seemingly, right. As, as we consider consensus, physical reality in the material universe, uh, that are apparently here that people can see, um, either individually or a group of people, you can record it on, on footage. You can have gun camera footage. It can be tracked on radar. Uh, but at the same exact time, it's, it's demonstrating these metaphysical principles, um, again, you mentioned biolocation, like this is stuff that's, that's mentioned in, in ancient texts, you know, uh, Vedic and, and, and otherwise of these different, um, kind of reality, so to speak, 
Um, but you know, here's the, the UFO phenomenon it's, it's demonstrating and, and converging, uh, these realities in a sense. So I, 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 that's why I think, you know, the UFO subject and, and contact, um, and even though it's a loaded term, uh, disclosure, uh, you know, some of these things are important, right. Um, on a individual and collective level. Um, so, you know, speaking to that actually, you know, how has this guy's affected you guys, you know, being part of this journey and process on an individual level? Yeah, well, I would say it has definitely led us to keeping an open mind, James. And I would encourage any of your viewers or uh, listeners to do the same. Like so much of the time we live in our logical reasoning fixed world where we you know, know how everything physically works and anything that happens outside of that, many people will just discount or be oblivious to it. But I would encourage people, you know, not to think you're crazy or having a screw loose when something happens that's not possible or not logical. You know, like I've heard stories of, you know, this whole thing of alternate realities and parallel universes. Like, for example, uh, you know, girl may go into Walmart and she, you know, they've got sweaters on sale. Okay, but which one should she buy? They've got, you know, yellow, purple, red, green. Well, she likes them all, but you can't go and buy them all. So maybe she, okay, just arbitrarily, she'll take the red one. Okay, so she takes the red one to the counter, pays the money, it's put in the bag, and she gets home. Guess what? She opens the bag, and it's the blue one. Now, most people will actually just brush it off and say, oh, no. I guess I guess the cashier, you know, put the wrong sweater in the bag. I'm just, I'll take it, or I'll, I'll keep it, or I'll take it back. It doesn't matter. Who cares? They don't give another thought to it. But no, that's not the case. You're talking about parallel realities here. You know, the scientists, including Erling have a strand and the Heston project have told us that there's there's an infinite number of parallel universes, and we're in it, most, if not all of them. Some are running a little bit behind, some are running a lot behind, some are running ahead, a little bit ahead. Some of them are running at the same. Uh, you know, same speed or whatever. And we could be doing different things. And in another parallel universe, that lady that was buying the red sweater at Walmart, in another universe, she arbitrarily chose the blue one. So, and then she crossed over. I mean, there are so many stories from credible people and ultra credible people, including scientists, where you have these things happen. And in my mind, all this stuff is connected, like, including, you know, how ETs get from where they are to here. Like, what are they using? Are they, they're using, they're, they're, they're manipulating space and time likely to get here. You know, they're not likely getting here the old fashioned way of, you know, rockets and propulsion and traveling, you know, at just a fraction of the speed of light, because, you know, the universe is a vast, vast distance across just to get to the nearest galaxy or whatever. And, you know, it takes light years. So they can go through one reality and come out another. And I mean, yeah. I can tell you when I showed Lou Elizondo, 
that you know the craft that we got a picture of the Cusco craft he thought that it was an energy imprint and he felt that it was the craft that wasn't a picture of the craft it looks like a craft but it was the energy imprint in the atmosphere as it was going from this reality or this dimension into another dimension so you know all this stuff that is almost like scientific fantasy for us now that we just say oh this is impossible well we're going to understand it all in the years to come and it's it's not going to be a big deal but right now people think it's magic or it's paranormal or it's this or it's that i mean we're going to study this stuff and we're going to understand it and we're going to be able to manipulate it just like the ets do he told me that in the tic tac um incident there he said, if you were, and you know how it went from zero to 30,000 feet in like one and a half seconds. He said, Rob, if you were in that tic-tac, you would view outside that nobody's moving. He said, for you, you're traveling at a normal speed, could be, you know, 500 miles an hour or whatever jets and so on travel. Uh, he said, you would be going up over several minutes up to in your little world in your little reality okay up to thirty thousand feet and you look out and you see a jet just over a few hundred feet just sitting there it's yeah. not moving nothing else is moving okay now to the pilot in the jet that's looking at this thing sees it go almost instantaneously from the water to thirty thousand feet now we know that in reality you know, any bodies that were inside of that, if it's the same reality as us, they'd be crushed to jelly with the the, the hundreds of G's, <clears throat> pardon me, that are involved there. You would just be liquid against the against the walls of your craft. But to those people or beings that are inside that craft, no, they have manipulated space, time and gravity so that they're just traveling in a normal way. And we're the ones that are still. You know, it's kind of like if you go to England and you say, oh, everybody's got an accent. If you talk to them, they'll say, no, 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 we speak normal. You have the accident. You know, you Canadians and you Americans sound very weird. So it depends what frame of reference you're looking at. If you're inside the Tic Tac, they've manipulated it such a way that they're operating in normal ways and they outside is everything stopped or moving at a snail's pace. And then on the other side of this, um, and there's likely a transition zone between these two. But in the area where the, the jet fighter is, he's in that reality, that space. And his, his view is like the English. They got an accent and he sees this thing shoot up. So I would encourage people to keep an open mind. There's just so much stuff around this that is not super commonplace in today's world, but it exists. And Mark and I have bumped up against it several times now. And it's real, but it doesn't happen every day. So the normal person doesn't typically bump into this, but they do. Like that girl who took home the red sweater and she got it out of the bag and it was blue, for example. Yeah. And, and, and getting to, you know, what you said about having an open mind, um, you know, if, if you're an experiencer you know, or, or somebody who, who's had kind of waves of this kind of activity, you know, there is, there is a, a learning curve and there is a, a, 
hopefully a process where you can integrate that because you know i i know i've, I've had experiences where like i had <laughs> to call people as witnesses saying come here do you see this right kind of thing because i i thought i was you know losing my mind <laughs> um because it was so it was so fantastic yet you know everybody there was able to kind of be part of that experience um but you know a very interesting thing that you mentioned about the tic tac and that kind of idea of you know it's in this kind of almost an alternate reality and people have speculated that some of these technologies are have kind of like their own gravity bubble or reality bubble mm -hmm. and and possibly that's what's creating a distortion when you try to record or view them is that it has this this reality bubble or, or gravity bubble or you know however we could space-time bubble um try to describe it through our current understanding it creates this distortion or field or you know field propulsion effect or what you know what have you so that's an interesting observation in in that regard um but you know regarding um encounters when um you know what what else can people expect to see and and uh, and when when will they be able to to see all this um i'll touch on a couple of things quick james you know just to kind of um because you're the one question was how it has affected us you know and yeah rob was as you know is an incredible you know i learn more about Rob every time he speaks, you know, <laughs> he, I really do though. And I mean that with all respect, because I see that the effect, I see the effect that these experiences had have had on him over the last eight years. And, you know, he, so it's like an evolving thought, right? It's an evolving perception of, and I think for me, because Rob is the best example for me, because I'm with him, and and I see this, I, I I see his eyes light up, I see him get excited, I see him get disappointed, I see all these different things, and of course, my view on that is through the eyes, honestly. Well, when he was 12, 13 years old, seeing his first UFO, I was 12, 13 years old, making my first eight millimeter film in my dad's garage, right? So I'm I'm coming at it like a storyteller. So maybe I'm a bit more philosophical when it comes to the meaning, like, it, you know what I mean? Like, what does it mean to me? Well, what it means to me is what I want it to mean to the next generation, to the next 12 year old, you know, to the next 13 year old, to the next five year old, it doesn't matter. I had a beautiful conversation with um, two people like two days ago, you know, because after the article for the new documentary came out in the local paper in Sarnia and in London that we would screen the film, the man who wanted to make contact, you know, in 2023, of course, what's in the article. This has happened to Rob in 1966 when he was 12 or 13 years old. Two days later, I get a call from someone who says, look, my husband, my, my husband has never told his story. He's, he doesn't talk about it. He's embarrassed. He doesn't want to be ridiculed. You know, he was four years old and he had an experience just outside of Sarnia, Ontario in 1966. And I hear this man who's now in his mid 60s, who's talking about it. I guess he'd be in his mid 50s, sorry. But he's talking about this experience that he had with a little gray alien when he was four years old coming into his backyard in 1966 coincidence are they looking for attention i didn't feel that i felt 
I wasn't offering anything and they weren't asking for anything. So I'm the, I'm kind of the, Rob and I were paired for a reason, I guess, like at the philosophical level, Rob's background, obviously, you know, he has an inventor's heart. He has a curiosity that knows no limits. You know, he has all of that. And my heart is telling the story. So from a philosophical standpoint, it's like, when these people tell their stories, these voices that, you know, they provide their voice to this, they're carrying on these messages that they receive. And a lot of people receive these different messages and they, and they take these messages to their families, to their friends, to their communities. And that's kind of, it, it manifests itself. You know what I mean? They, they become, they, it's important to them to tell the story. So that's, leading into encounters you know what i mean like we have produced what we've produced in ecuador part of the encounters you know brand label um encounters italy obviously um we are going to area 51 and roswell within a three four month period of time so we're interested in that you know we're interested in our roots because we started in area 51 back in 2015 so it's fun we want to go back we want to revisit we go to argentina so there'll be a you know uh uh you know an encounters argentina i have more that i haven't completely talked to Rob about yet, but he's always very receptive when I bring experiencers and people who have had things happen, encounters that, that people have happened. There are different South American countries that we had lined up in 2020 before COVID that were a lot of work was done and Rob respects it. And 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 we we get excited about about that as well. So ultimately, yeah, this will become like an anthology of probably 45 to 60 minute programs that after messages to the Andes screens all over the world and the man who wanted to make contact, there'll be these new programs that'll come out. And um, I think, again, we, we just respect everyone who comes forward with the courage to say that, you know, they spend days with us. They spend weeks with us. They, they cohabitate with us basically. And they take the time at their own expense, mostly. I mean, obviously, you know, we take care of certain things and make sure they're not, you know, struggling. But, oh, man, I'll tell you, it's all heart. It's all conviction when it comes to people who have had this happen in their lives for 10, 20 or more years. It's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I had had kind of two questions here. And, um, well, let me let me start with this one. Uh, you know, during your travels and speaking to these different experiencers and witnesses and you know human beings that just happen to have these experiences, um, have have you guys encountered a, like a? And again, this is this is going to be a perspectual, you know, a, a thing of perspective, um, but different uh, intelligences. So have have people said, you know, these are interdimensionals or these are extraterrestrial, these are crypto terrestrials or ultra terrestrials, or these are kind of extraterrestrials, but they're also interdimensional as well, extra dimensional. Have you guys encountered, um, you know, people who have had these experiences that there's like a taxonomy or a variety of different intelligences that they have encountered? Mark, do you want to answer that question? 
You know, it's a great question. Um, you know, there's a lot of different people that we have experienced. Like when, right. you know, obviously we have had some personal experiences. Rob had an experience that he talked about out in the, out in the desert, you know, the yeah. Uluru desert in Australia. Um, uh, you you just have a feeling you have a this just you know just a feeling that this person is not a person um you know i've also talked to people over the years that that again they they don't classify it they don't say well this is exactly what this was but i guess between ricardo and different people that we've that we've been with Usually the communications that we receive are through some sort of, you know, cool high strangeness that occurs around us. And that that's a form of communication. Mm -hmm. It's not like a yeah, being, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not like a being coming up to us in, in, in like on, on, outside of what Rob experienced in Australia. It's not like a being coming up and, and introducing themselves. But I have had I had an earthquake, you know, occur in my room in Peru and it did, it did it did it didn't occur in anybody else's room you know what i mean like it just mine and it wasn't and there wasn't anything in the news about it there wasn't anything in the papers it buckled the floor rob and i have i think we've got a list of about 40 things that you know you just know you just like we don't wear those like badges of honor, you know, like, Oh, look at what happened to me in my room. Like, I don't even do that. I don't even introduce it like that. To me, it's just a confirmation whether or not they're playing around with the cameras, turning off sound channels, you know, coming into the room, showing themselves up in, in some sort of way or shape or, or, or just, just a small glitch, you know, in the matrix for lack of a better word, but even just a small glitch that, you know, because of maybe, you know, with me, it's always my cameras, you know, I have files change their numbers and their codes inside my camera and I take them out and the time codes have changed. Like these are things that happen, happen to Rob too. Batteries drain that are 100% and they drain the second he puts them in the camera. Like you just know that you're being communicated with. So I don't think I'd love to be able to say to you, James, and to your to your listeners that that these come in forms of beings, you know, like actual physical beings. But I think it's more, I think it's more, it's more tele. I don't know, telepathic, but consciousness related. Like it's 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 just um, they infect they they affect the environment. You know, they they affect yep. sometimes. You know what I mean, Rob? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's for me a lot of it is. I mean, we had that encounter with the being in. Australia. And, you know, it's on another podcast we did. And, and you know, we've got more or less 99% proof on that one because of the things that all happened with it. And later, you know, months later and so on. But to me, it this all reminds me of the movie Interstellar. I was just going to say, I was yeah. thinking the exact yeah. same thing I yeah. wrote down here. I was going to. Yeah. Yeah. Where the, you know, the, the father, I mean, he's Mike or whatever and the daughter can't see because she's huge right again you've got these two realities bumping up against each other and i guess it's his study and he's doing all he can to push that one book out of the library onto the floor and then that was a communication to her right yeah. and you know i don't remember all the details of the movie i just remember that part and i keep coming back to that because you know, some of these races or beings like, you know, are they going to communicate to us the same way that we know, or are they going to use other methods that, that we are familiar with? 
like you know we work with the technology so sure enough they do things with our technology to get the attention you know like the time in australia where we did get that saucer you know damien not looked through the thermal and we had a saucer with a dome going across and i was so excited that i was recording this i thought wow this is the footage the best in the world this will be national headlines this finally proves it right i take the card out i go upstairs to my hotel room i put it in my computer the same one i'm talking to you over now slide the sd card into the side and i'm playing my heart's pounding at 100 miles an hour right and i'm hearing the sounds of us talking but the video is all snow you know so that's like a communication like they're saying rob you know we know you're you want to do all this stuff um we're going to let you have the experience you know and everybody that was standing on that balcony watched it through the thermal and saw it happening um so we have witnesses but and i thought i was recording it but somehow the ets did not or whoever did not let us get video they let us get the audio and and mark of course was filming behind the scenes and he's got the whole thing happening uh showing but nowhere is there the actual video of this classic saucer shape damien made a fantastic drawing of it after okay we all saw it uh but i wasn't allowed to record it and i got so upset i was in tears i was you know the high of all highs having the fam most fantastic footage in the world and i went to play it and it was all snow got the audio so i went from here to the lowest of the lows and i literally was in tears and then i thought wait a minute just stop right there this is nothing you did this is the et saying that you know you're not gonna we're not gonna give it to you this time we're not gonna allow you to film it we're not ready for whatever reasons now we've been getting messages uh james through various different people who are psychic to this stuff and who can you know get in their automatic writing and stuff and many times we have received messages that they're going to start allowing us to film so you know we will continue to have the equipment out and half the time we leave it at the hotel half the time we do keep it out because when we leave it at the hotel it's more of a chance that i can connect and we can connect heart to heart and obviously they know what nights i'm going to have the equipment out dts and if they're going to allow me to film it's going to happen you know when i say allow me to film i mean to have compelling footage that is you know yeah. not just the smoking gun but almost the gun itself right yeah and i know that's that's something that um Oh, man, a lot of people, especially if you haven't had these type of experiences are going to be critical of is oh, video footage, just grab a camera, um, just record it, uh, you know, the why are the photos always blurry and that kind of um, criticism and I, I totally understand it from both sides because, you know, as having the experiences, I, you know, again, part of why I'm doing what I do here with Engage on the Phenomenon and all this work is because I, I realize that, you know, in, for, for the majority of people, uh, including myself, probably, if, if, if I had not had those experiences personally, it, 
it would be very hard for me to to identify and relate and understand this that you know somebody's not exaggerating but these things literally happen and the the you know the greatest way that that people are going to actualize that is uh, is if they have the experience themselves and that's that's actually why from an early early on in my participation in the in the ufo field that i was very drawn to ce5 um because you know i had these experiences and this communication all this and i realized you know if, if the people if people don't have this experience for themselves i can't expect for them to fully comprehend it and and t- take it literally um and that's why i really like the idea of ce5 and heist and and contact modalities is because you know if somebody feels that they're ready um they they can experience themselves and that's the only true way i think they're going to understand it you know um in in an idea of like a realization or an insight uh, an actual actual actualization um because to to kind of wrap your head around it intellectually is one thing and and people people can manage to do that if they're open minded but you know you know when you have the direct experience of it, it it's that's the transformative component i think yeah. uh, on a very deep level um and you know, even just for me, these past few weeks, I've had experiences and I don't, I don't really talk about them. Some of my really close friends and colleagues, I'll bring it up to, um, because it's like, I, I want to be able to share with this thing that just happened to me, at least, you know, for the record somewhere in some <laughs> level. But if I had just went on Twitter and said, Hey, I just had this orb in my yard, 50 feet away from me, that was an iridescent white, uh, that directly interacted with my thought, you know, what, you know, that's most people are just not going to be able to understand or accept that. And I, and I get it, you know, and again, and that's why I think that the work that you guys are doing in trying to communicate this stuff, um, especially in the format of, of contact and contact modalities, that this is something that, that if people are ready and willing to, that they, they can experience on their own. And again, not just a a light in, in the sky, um, which is really cool, right? By the way, but all these other things, like these these uncanny synchronicities, that will just blow your mind in the way that the only way for this synchronicity to have taken place the way it does, uh, you know, the, the only way for that to occur is if, if reality is way different than what we had assumed in the materialistic paradigm. It is just no, the, there's no amount of probability that leads to this happening other than that we are you know we need a, an expanded and alternate uh, view of of how reality is what reality is and how it works how it integrates and how we're connected to it um so i, I really appreciate um your your insights and perspectives on that because i think it's really important um but in in regards to um these upcoming projects um what else do you guys have other things planned that are are coming forward um honestly the the, for the next um i would say approximately six months i mean you know in addition to going to area 51 coming back obviously enjoying the holiday what's happening now is um as i mentioned 
James, honestly, just in addition to the like for the document for the documentary side of things, you know, we're um, um, just releasing these two documentaries, you know, like doing different screenings. Um, very excited. I mean, we've been invited. And again, this is new information for Rob, too. It's just because I'm I'm solidifying. I don't like to bring things and 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 talk about things until they're real. You know, like it's 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 talk, but it's you know, we have a, you know, different. I like to double down when we go on an expedition. Not only do we get to go and do some incredible, you know, uh, incredible time in the field with experiencers and different things, but I always like to introduce us to new people. And of course, having I I really do feel that the documentaries open that door for people to get excited and and to understand they're part of a kind of a you know a community of experiencers and you know they see our work and they and they understand that and it opens up incredible doors so you know yeah we, we're, i'm excited to screen the films um open up the doors for expeditions and and you know different experiencers and so in addition to area 51 in roswell we've got argentina we're mm -hmm. looking at for the the tail end of march and april um I'm wanting to to introduce Rob to uh, to a Columbia expedition. You know, we like to get out in the field. I think Rob A every six to eight weeks we like to get out there and explore a new area. You know, explore new new and different areas of the world and and um, go back to Italy. So there's a whole yeah. I mean, for the next uh, six you know six eight months, we definitely have a a good plan. I, I feel that. Yeah, yeah, and James, we kind of stay open also. Because we've had incredible opportunities that have just kind of fallen out of the sky, so to speak, right into Mark's lap. So we try not to rigidly plan everything all through the whole year. We will plan some, but we do wait for these opportunities to come also. And there's some pretty neat synchronistic opportunities that yeah. do come. And when they come, you got to make sure you've got time in your calendar to allow them to manifest and allow them to happen. You know, so we we would definitely will have some of that over this coming year, but we won't let any grass grow under our feet. We'll be out there this next year. Yeah, I'm, and that's really exciting stuff. And I know exactly what you mean, because I, you know, even uh, just recently, I've had a, a lot of opportunities to synchronistically or synchronistically uh, pop up. And it's like, wow, OK, I definitely have to take that up. And um, so I know exactly what you mean about the open calendar um two two possibilities or questions um that i'm sure this is already you guys have probably thought about this and it's it's come up but i i'm just curious um especially for the the watchers and the listeners and and their perspective too um two things so um one have you considered um doing anything with like um native americans like you know there's like the hopi and others other out in the west different um native americans who there's been several books published and and at, they used to do conferences i don't know if they're still going on the star nations conferences where you know these nations or you know or people were having contact and they you know they consider it part of their lineage and and it's part of their paradigm worldview is is the contact that's a part of you know they take it into account with with their lives um so that's the one thing Na other native Amer american groups within america um and uh skinwalker ranch as a okay possible. so 
Yeah, let me <laughs> jump in. Let me jump in here. Uh, Mark had a super expedition all lined up for, I believe it was northern Mexico, Mark. And um, yes. Yes. it was with native uh, peoples there. And we, we had, uh, you know, because of COVID, we had to cancel that one. So he had, he had already got that one because we're right into this whole idea that the, especially the native and indigenous people are way more connected than us. You know, we're so hamstrung and so emotionally constipated, you might say, compared to the, the native and uh, indigenous people who are in many cases seem to be much more spiritual and much more connected. So we're definitely doing that. And I can say that even when we were with Grant in Winnipeg, um, when we were out at this one spot, what was the name of that spot where those lights occur, Mark, by the train track? What was the name of that uh, place? Are you still online? I'm trying to remember. It's called Wood Wood, Wood, uh, Wood Ridge Wood, Lights. Woodridge. Woodridge. Yes. Wood okay. Ridge. The Woodridge Lights. And I had my camera set up and um, it was set up near the railroad track and of course when the train went through they reported us <laughs> as being you know on railroad property so yeah we we had the rcmp show up royal canadian mounted police and the fella was an indigenous officer oh no way which was fantastic because you know he was very polite and, and uh you know very amicable guy and he says you know you're you're filming on uh you know cnr railway property or whatever it was canadian pacific and he said you've got to be so many feet off the right of way you know it's just for safety reasons and everything i mean we got fantastic footage of the train going by but uh he you know he asked what we were doing and we were honest and told him and he had all kinds of stories like stories of um you know connections to beings uh people in his family and his friends and his associates in the indigenous groups so he was he was a fantastic contact to have made and we still have his name and number and we may go back and do something with him but we definitely want to make more contact with these indigenous um and native people whether it's in the united states whether it's in canada whether it's in mexico or in you know countries like australia with the aborigines and so on um uh there's going to be more and more opportunity for that as time goes on yeah and, and i just um, I, I can kind of i can actually say quickly james that that is part of my columbia uh, pitch to Rob it, it you okay. know I've been talking to a lot of different groups about you know the indigenous groups and the indigenous areas you know early civilization I mean that's basically what we're talking about is and 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 there is um a lot of um there is a lot of connection to to you know the star people as they mm-hmm. refer to it as the Hopi refer to it um so yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's definitely a part of uh, of 2023, 100%. And J- uh, James, you had mentioned about Skinwalker. Yeah. Okay. So I was quite, ex- I'll be quite honest. I was quite excited about this and we've got some contacts that can get us pretty close to there and so on. And, you know, after watching this series with the, um, what's that scientist? The, uh, the Travis Taylor? Yeah, Travis Taylor. I've met Travis. I like him. Um, but after watching some of the harmful things that have happened to these guys, yeah, uh, the bloom has gone off the rose for me. Okay. Uh, now, 
Uh, I don't want to put myself in harm's way. You know, my dad taught me as a kid, don't specifically do that. You know, stay out of harm's way. Um, there, there may be some things that, that go on there that are not safe. Like there could be some kind of radiation that naturally occurs. There yeah. could be something that we don't understand that's just a natural part of the earth. So I'm not as interested in going there. But uh, Dave Palachuk, you know, our friend who runs MUFON Canada, he is still interested in going there. And he said, you know, Rob, we can, I've got uh, people, I've got contacts through the Indigenous people who own the ridge up that overlooks down into the ranch and I can get us there. Would you be interested? And I said, well, maybe. I just, you know, the last eight years, we've managed to keep ourselves safe. Yeah. And and we we've had nothing but positive contact experiences and we want to keep it that way. Um, I was taught by my dad, you know, you stay away from the bad side of town and you, you know, you don't go looking for trouble. It's easy yeah. enough to it's easy enough to get into trouble. We found ourselves on a mountainside in Peru one time because we saw these strange lights and we go up this, you know, windy gravel road. And we have this vehicle coming at us with guys jump out with machine guns pointing at us. Okay. Now, turns out that they were narc agents. Okay. They were in the middle of a bust. And yeah. we found ourselves in the middle of this thing. So we kind of ventured off the course and got into, you know, almost got into a little bit of trouble. You know, we produced our passports. We you know, talked our way out of this and all was fine. But uh, as a general rule, I don't want to get ourselves involved in anything where we could harm ourselves. I mean, some of these guys at Skinwalker have had physical damage to their heads. Right. And and, and what happened right. to what happened to Travis too? Um, he had something happen to his hand or I don't know. And and then the, I, I don't want to get into this too much, but then there's the whole hitchhiker effect. Well, um, we, we've had that, but in a positive way. But I, no, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Is there's, there's a positive element. Yeah. And, you know, even like a boost in, in psychic potentials after some of these encounters. And, uh, you know, there's a whole thing to that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, I, I totally understand both sides. And, you know, again, it's it's great that you guys are going to continue on the path that you're doing and try to stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we really want to do. We enjoy this so much. And yeah. uh, but, but you have to keep yourself safe. We may still go yet. We may yet still go to Skinwalker, but we'll be at a safe distance, like up on the ridge with yeah. our cameras and equipment if we do that. Yeah. And, and again, I, you know, I, I don't want to kind of reframe or, 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 you know, like put things in a perspective for people where there's any negativity. Um, but I, I do think it is important for people that are going to embark on this kind of journey or adventure, if, if they even have a choice, right. Cause some people are just kind of thrust into it and it's, it's, you're only forward from there. Um, but you know that, yeah, if, 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 if people feel that they want to take this journey, that they're ready, that they're in a kind of healthy mindset, um, that they're as prepared as they can be. Um, and it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's really the simple stuff. Right. Um, and my friend exo academian, um, or, you know, Darren, mm -hmm. he has the idea he calls um, like a spiritual hygiene, you know, just doing the checks and balances, you know, making, making sure you're emotionally 
mm-hmm. you know, all right and you know, squared away. You're taking care of yourself. Um, don't have too high or low expectations. And and you know, again, uh, you know, in my experiences, I've had, you know, especially with the C five or heist or contact, overwhelmingly positive experiences. And is it because I have a positive mindset going into it? Possibly. I don't know. But, you know, you want to be in a good place yeah. when you're going out and doing this stuff. Um, and again, just, you know, we, we mentioned Skinwalker going into it with the mind frame of something bad can happen to me. <laughs> you know, you don't want to create that for yourself. So and, and, and the, you know, the power of the mind, the power of suggestion. So it's important that the attitude and and kind of you know intention that you bring to the work when you're going to do it so you know and that's what we do too james we bring a good intention into it and sometimes we'll even imagine just you know white light around us and all of this and works yeah yeah just to as you say be in a positive frame of mind be upbeat because you know the more fun you can have be upbeat be kind of silly and crazy the more positive and neat things happen and I just lost you there. Mark, it looks like we've lost him. Are you there, Mark? I, it literally just came up for me, Rob, that I am now the host. Yeah, so I think we've lost James. Now, whether he's going to sign back in, maybe his internet crapped out or something. He's, uh, he's sending me a message here. My my computer just died. It's plugged in, though. See, his there com- you go. There you well, go. We'll go. Cool we'll, high strangers. We'll, we'll, yeah, look what we were just talking about. I know. Cool high strangers. That's what it yeah. is. Cool high strangers. <laughs> it's live, too, Rob. This is live. Cool high strangers. Yeah. I'm writing him here. Cool high strangeness. Yeah, this is part of the uh, you know, stuff that happens. This is the communication, Mark. Yep, this is. I mean, that's what I'm saying. He's writing me, hey, Mark, my computer just died. It's plugged in, though. Yeah. Cool, high strangeness live. And then he wrote, one second, getting back on. Why did it make me the host? I don't understand. How can that happen? Uh, maybe that's a default thing. Default. That if, if the host drops out of the call, then somebody else has to become the host. So. <laughs> By default. And you, well, and maybe because you were you were already connected, you were connected second. Like True. you know, he was connected, then you came in, then I came in. So maybe that's the hierarchy that the if hierarchy of power. Some, <laughs> something happens on the call with the, with the host, and it makes you because you're the next person that came in, right? That's hilarious. So, His computer died. He'll come on and he'll talk about it. It'll be funny. Yeah, let me just send a message here because we were going to be leaving at seven o'clock somewhere. I'll yeah. just tell everybody. Well, and we'll let James know, Rob. We've been, we he's got a really good hour and a half of information. So, yeah. Oh, here he is. He's coming there back he on. He's coming back. But let him know. Let him know. Because yeah, I'm yeah. in the same, I'm in the same hey. boat. Hey, hey, he's back. That, yeah, my, my computer's plugged in and it somehow died. It's been plugged in this entire time. Well, James, are you surprised? This is the cool high strangers. This, this, this is, is what the, This is the communication. This is the real time acknowledgement. Yeah, and you know? my my computer. It's been plugged in the entire time, charging, and and I had a full battery when we started. Somehow, 
it died and somehow it's it's working again like normal so there we you love go. it we love it though that's awesome i love that um <laughs> yeah I, I just just think fingers crossed that i i'm i'm it says it's recording now and i hope the recording is continuing from before which i assume it is so uh, if everybody's watching and hearing this i apologize for the technical high strangeness in real life difficulty uh, that's never happened to me um so uh, yeah sorry about that guys wow and, and, and james and james if 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 something's happened to your recording I'm recording from my end, you know, the Hollywood yeah. Square version, and Mark is recording from his. I end, have the so. audio. We have the audio. It's okay, very wow. clean. Very. We very can clean. we can yeah. send it to you if you if you need to splice it through or whatever. Okay. Edit it in, no yeah. Problem. No, this has never happened. So, fingers crossed, it came all right. Out all right. Um, and uh, do you do you know the the exact second we left off at? Uh we could figure it out once we save the recording. Okay. And, so, uh, but I remember, yeah, we were talking about. Um, skinwalker and kind of having like a, a, the the high you know the spiritual hygiene where you're you have your checks and balances you're kind of like prepared and um you do, do the positive um kind of exercises the right attitude that kind of thing um well and and you know like i say we unless we have things like this that happen we don't consider the expedition a success we were doing an interview uh at paula's starworks uh mark you could get into the story real quick before we sign off here yeah no this is uh pretty cool actually we were there and steve berg was there producing a program um hallucinating um i'm not sure what the oh, show it might be a up. different oh no 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 so never mind i'm thinking of a different individual sorry yeah, no, no. Um, Steve Burke, I think he was in the like the Goldbergs and different programs that he's been on. He's on IMDb and he was there. I think they had a couple cameramen and a couple cameras and sound and a small crew of about maybe five or six. And they decided to to do an interview with Rob, you know, and and wanted to talk to him. And so I'm filming them filming him. And so it's live, you know, and I'm recording live as they record him pre-recorded and they start to ask Rob, this is all in the moment. They start to ask Rob, so Rob, you know, what can happen? You know, what kind of things can happen, right? And Rob starts to talk about, well, you know, we get a lot of camera anomalies, batteries draining, you know, this is the conversation. When I went back to my footage, what ended up happening was not even 10 seconds, less than 10 seconds. Rob says, Rob says to the group, all of them, that these are camera anomalies that can happen when you're getting communicated with. The I look out of my right corner of my eye, and the one the one crew member is looking at the other crew member, and they finally said out loud, our batteries are just drained. Yeah. So this is the this is the camera crew filming Rob. They said all our batteries, like we don't know what's going on right now. So that happened like right in front of us. So it's kind of like when a computer goes off or uh, a battery drains or anything. I mean, it's just, it's communication when they, when they, uh, when they use your technology to talk you, to you. You know, you're on the right track, James. When that happens. Yeah. You're on the yeah, right track. Again, it, yeah, <laughs> I mean, again, it's been the computer is at hundred percent. It's been charging the entire time. Yeah. Um, and now it seems to be working fine even. Yeah. So, you know, 
And it I made Mark that, the host, and a sign came up on his computer. Mark is now the host of the the call. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess, I guess, yeah, we're that's, you know, we've had a lot to talk about here, and uh, you know, of course, I, I definitely want to have you guys on again sometime, uh, and and meet with you guys in the field, right? And and maybe Wonderful. meet you at, at one of these conferences uh, that either I'm doing or we're participating in it or maybe that Paola is putting on um, with Starworks. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for that. Um, do you guys have any, any kind of parting words for the audience here? I guess I'll just repeat the same thing. Just keep an open mind and don't be quick to just write it off as, Oh, I guess I forgot this or I, you know, this must've happened. Keep an open mind and um, just, allow these synchronicities these cool high strangeness things to happen and honestly james if you keep an open mind you're going to have more and more of it happen all the time and you can really connect to this whole phenomenon and you know it's as you say it's only when you really experience the stuff yourself that you'll believe and it's not then being a believer it's becoming a knower you know you can become a believer just by convincing yourself by reading or watching you can say i believe well i don't want people shouldn't stay there at that level of saying well yeah i believe i believe in the phenomenon i don't believe no 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 move past that and become a knower and the only way you're going to become a knower is by experiencing it yourself and then you know that you know that you know and if you can experience it with somebody else that's even better that help that helps your sanity for sure for sure. I know that firsthand. Um, so do you guys, uh, where, where are people going to be able to find your work? Even though I'm going to have links in the description just for convenience for people watching and listening, where, where can they find all your work guys? Well, I mean, there is the Rob Freeman UFO world explorer YouTube page, obviously over 350 videos there, James, that are always updated. There's always something coming out every week, once a week, Saturday. Um, There's always something of of us somewhere in the field. Um, And then the hub of all activity, like links to videos and pictures and um, updates the Facebook page, you know, there's two Facebook pages. Now there's Rob Freeman, UFO world explorer. And then there's one that's for encounters and, and they're working in tandem to kind of keep the information flowing, all the updates, all announcements, um, everything will come through that as well. So that's uh that's the major, the major pipelines right there. Definitely. Well, I, I appreciate you guys, you know, spending your time with me here and with our audience, you know, thank you so much for all the work that you do and that you're continuing to do. And, uh, you know, I look forward to speaking to you guys soon. Great. It was our pleasure to be speaking with you, James, and look forward to speaking with you again anytime. All the best to James with your conference coming up in December. Mm-hmm. You're doing amazing work. You have the just the best, best reputation. And um, it's always a pleasure to be with you, my friend. Well, thank you so much, guys. All right, guys, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye.